Wendy Hummus things today about recovering from COVID. It's garbage. Don't like being sick. Not sick very often, so I don't like it. Nobody likes it, I guess. Being sick. Sometimes I actually have had the thought, I wish I could get sick so I could stop doing something for just a minute, but that usually just means I need a break and I try to take a break so that I don't have to be sick in order to take a break. And I think our kind of collective productivity mindset, I guess you would call it, always kind of lends itself to you have to do more, always. And someone once told me that people who do things, people who get things done, end up giving, being given more things to get things done. But really, while that might be true, and I think what that person left out and didn't have any understanding of is how to set boundaries or to also teach that, you know, so there comes a point where you must say no because the things you're involved with will all fall apart because you can't give them the attention that you need. And in fact, I remember talking to um, the salutatorian of my high school class because she was involved in so many things. I'm like, how can you go to all of these things? And she said, she's like, I don't go. I skip meetings. I, but anyway, she kept corners all the time and tried to have all these things on her resume and not, um, you know, overdo it. There's a real risk, I think, of people taking on too much whether it's from like a good mindset of like I know I need to be involved with all these things so that I can support them or whether it's from like a kind of toxic mindset is that if I'm not doing something productive I'm not good enough um, all kinds of reasons that people take on more than maybe they just never learn to say no and it just becomes overwhelming and you know these are the things that make people break down or they get sick like become exhausted and definitely something to watch. I do like to work. I do enjoy being at work. I always have and mostly I think it came from when I was in school growing up because I liked school better than being at home which was not a relaxing place for me generally so I was either outside as much as possible away from home in whatever capacity I could possibly manage where I was at school, which was just like, oh my gosh, it was just so much nicer than being at home always. So I understood the rules. I eventually, eventually understood the rules. I didn't at first. There were some rocky moments trying to navigate like preschool and stuff because I just did not get it. Like the time that I crawled into one of the toys and hid because everything was too noisy. And so nobody could find me. There was like some big hunt for me who had just disappeared. <laughs> but gone. And so yeah, that happened. And then there was a time where just everybody was being loud. And I think I just tried to trump the loudness and started like not shrieking early, but like yelling. <laughs> like, like the I love lamp. Why are we yelling? <laughs> the teacher, the poor preschool teacher came over and she's like, 
um, you keep this up and you're going to have to sit out in the hallway. And I just was like, this is a golden opportunity. I'm like, oh, can I? And she thought, you know, I was like, I don't know, three or four. So I had no concept of like sarcasm at that point. But I think she thought I was being sarcastic and lippy, giving her lip. So she set me out in the hallway. And that was like one of the best days at preschool I'd ever had up to that moment. I was so happy about it. Just hanging out in the hallway by myself, looking at the things on the wall. Of course, it didn't sit still. I wandered up and down the hallway and, you know, snuck around. That was... So, this probably isn't all that coherent today because I'm still recovering from COVID and I'm still kind of processing that being sick. And the thing with COVID for me is that I already have pastoral orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is one of the syndromes that people with long COVID tend to have co-currently at the same time, whatever word means at the same time. And so the fear for me from the beginning of the pandemic with the, the like for even people who recovered with the long bed rest is that that's just really dangerous. So like Bed rest is contraindicated for me, whose POTS is kind of in remission, which means for me personally, I have found a way to manage my health and my body so that I have a great deal of energy every day, as long as I'm really careful. And by really careful, it means a mix of what I eat, what I sleep, stress man, you know, how I sleep or how much I sleep, when I sleep, stress management, uh, exercise, a certain amount of upright exercise is really vital to keeping the symptoms of POTS at bay. So for me, symptoms of POTS include, um, well, at its very worst, so at the, at the very worst I ever was with POTS, um, shoot, I can't remember how long ago it was, I want to say it was like nine years ago, the very worst of it, I had edema really bad. So I had swelling in my legs and I had puffy eyes. Um, I got diagnosed because I had been walking across a field. No, I'd been walking my dog. The first instance I had of the pot that was really like I need to get this looked at, I was walking my dog in Ohio in the neighborhood that, I mean, people lived there. It was a nice neighborhood. People lived there, obviously, but I never really saw people coming and going. So either I walked my dog at a time, and it wasn't like just before or after work. But I, I never saw people really out, like tending their yards or coming and going. Really, it was rare that I saw even a car go by. It was a beautiful neighborhood with these big trees, and and the houses were architecturally interesting. So I loved walking there. But so it was quiet, and it was right around dusk, and. I, everything went black, and I almost fainted right there, I almost fell, but I, my body just, I locked it, and took a couple deep breaths, and was like, whoa, you know, and I was really kind of scared, because I was like, what if I'd fallen and hit my head, and my dog ran loose, and what if, you know, I lost my dog, and what if nobody found me, like, it was really desolate for being in a neighborhood, where <laughs> you would think there would be people. 
I could have been laying on the sidewalk there for a long time, so I was kind of like, well, okay, so if this happens again, I need to like really get this looked at. And some of you are probably being like, why would you wait <laughs> for it to happen again before we get it looked at? But that's the way that I am. I'm kind of like, it could be a one-off thing. Who knows? Nothing to go running off to the doctor for her. This happened one time. So I don't know how long later it was. We were doing something for the school. We were out in a field setting up things. I don't know. Was it soccer, maybe? And I was, you know, I'm doing my arms. I was, you know, charging across the field at a good walk to set things up. And it happened again. Like, I almost fell over right there. Everything went dark. And... I felt dizzy and I locked myself up so I didn't fall and then I slowed down and I moved really slow like the whole rest of the time. And, uh, you know, I didn't really do much until I got my appointment with my physician. My physician was amazing. She's really great. Um, I went to see her and <laughs> I was like, she's like, what brings you in today? And I said, well, I said, see my puffy eyes? And she said, yes. And I said, you see my puffy legs? And she said, yes. And then I described the two things that happened. And she goes, well, that sounds like congestive heart failure. And I said, I know. <laughs> it was really quite terrifying. Um, so she sent me right over to the hospital, to the cardiology department, where I went, underwent a tilt table test, which is an awful test. But they, you know, strap you to this bed thing that goes up and down and then they pump you full of adrenaline and then they flip you upright and they monitor your heart rate to look for uh, blips and I just have a little blip so he said um, the cardiologist was also really good and thankfully he was aware of what POTS was he was able to get me my diagnosis right away which a lot of people in the system do not get so I talk about POTS a lot especially when my friends one, because I need them to understand that if I just can't do something because I don't have the energy that day, even though I look perfectly fine from the outside, this is like one of those invisible illnesses, um, people don't generally suspect that I have a chronic physical condition, um, and I manage it very carefully so that I can do a lot of stuff, but still there are times where I'm going to hit a wall, there's going to be times where I don't have the energy or, you know, I've let something kind of go a little bit and I'm just not going to be able to do the thing that I want to do. So that just, that just happens. There are limits to what I can do that other people don't face and they come faster and sooner than I would like them to. So that's just what it means to live with a chronic condition. So where was I? in the story. So I got my diagnosis. Now the thing is there's no treatment for POTS, really. Like there's a drug that they can give you that they give to people who have like some kidney thing that helps you retain salt. But really, for me, because it's a mild case of POTS, um, I did a bunch of research to try to figure out how I could best, you know, get back into health, really. <laughs> So it was a multi, oh, it's going to be long, maybe. Well, anyway, here's how I approached it. I approached it by, first, I got a baseline for what kinds of activity, how fast and how far I could go before POTS symptoms started to rear their ugly heads. So that meant I could walk for about 10 minutes. This is how bad it was. 
this is the beginning. I could walk for about 10 minutes before I started to feel faint. And I could only walk at what's best described as an amble, which for me was actually really sad because I was used to walking fast. I had been working, you know, prior to that, I'd been working a horse farm. I'd been working like 15-hour days, scooping manure and running across fields and in the woods and all of that. And what's true is I had slowed down and I had kind of this, anyway, I had some symptoms leading up to it. So like in retrospect, it kind of makes sense. Oh yeah, you have pot. But you know, at the time I was just baffling, like where was my energy going and why was it so hard to walk up the driveway, which is a quarter mile switchback, which I had like never had. Anyway, so there I was ambling through the neighborhood in my little 10 minute walks, like three times a day. And then, um, I did more research and I did the recumbent bicycling at the Y. The other thing I did for my spirit was to find something fun. And one of the fun things I found to do was water volleyball. Was, um, it was kind of designed for like older people. But um, there are some people my age there who went as well. And, you know, there are all <laughs> levels of abilities in this water volleyball, and I thought, well, hey, it'll just be fun, it'll be relaxed, we'll like bop the ball around and splash in the water. And it turns out it's actually really competitive. <laughs> Not in like there's leagues or anything, but like they take the water volleyball seriously, including like out of bounds and whose turn it is to um, serve and all of that. So it was fierce, but it was a lot of fun. And it, one of the things that it did is it kind of restored my joy in life because really, it's kind of depressing to lose the ability to live your daily life the way that you have been doing it. And I really needed some joy back in my life. And, and the people that I met through the water volleyball, they're just amazing. I made some good friends there. And just, you know, one, two, three times a week going and playing in the water with the ball. And even though we had to really keep track of score and who was serving, you know, it was... It was fun, and I found like a little bit of uh, support. I found some support and some joy in doing that. And so it took about three years, I want to say, before I could have anything kind of resembling a regular schedule. Um, but as soon as I was able, of course, this was a time that my marriage was falling apart as well, and I was in the process of getting divorced, and my kids were graduating from high school and starting college. So it was really a busy time. Um, I started working, and I started working part-time uh, part for um, just uh, small businessmen in my community doing back office stuff, and, you know, eventually I was able to, to do full-time work. So with POTS, it's really scary because I already have the kind of long COVID part of it, and so I don't, I can't afford, I can't afford a long period of bed rest that can set me back years of progress that I've made on the POTS. Because if I start to feel the least bit faint, I sit down and I have to think about, like, okay, so where has my regime fallen away? You know, if I've been getting enough sleep, if I've been eating right, um, did I cheat on my really specialized diet that I developed to help me manage it? Um, is my stress level too high? Is da, 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 da. I have to go through the whole list and figure out where I let something slip and then correct it. You know, whether it's napping, whether it's more exercise, you know, I have to figure out what the right thing to do is to bring myself back into balance.
So because I have such a mild case of it, because when I start to feel faint, I don't usually faint all the way. I have not been subjected to one of the worst side effects of POTS, which are the injuries that come from spontaneous fainting, unexpected fainting. I mean, I guess all fainting is unexpected, but with POTS, that's the, one of the major symptoms of it. So, my, I had developed a, <laughs> I had developed a, a support, supportive food. Um, I started juicing foods, but also I did a lot of research into um, herbs and tinctures and things like that to support my immune system, to kind of bring my body back into balance, especially targeted what in the older text was called dropsy, which is also edema. Um, uh, I also focused on heart support, uh, focused on tonics, and um, on of course things that would kind of calm the nervous system because one of the whole things is that that autonomic nervous system is just firing wildly <laughs> out of sync it's not operating properly so you know one minute you're sitting there you know and the next minute your heart's racing fast and it's just because your body has decided somehow to shift into a higher gear and hit the gas um, for no apparent reason so it's not anxiety but it makes you anxious to a degree to know that you know like you're not in balance like your body's just going to do something like all of a sudden you're going to be really hot and all of a sudden you're going to be really cold and for women who are going through menopause that's kind of expected but with pots it can happen that you know if you're not a menopausal <laughs> So, anyway, there's all these kind of like weird things that happen. You get hungry all of a sudden because your body's revved up and it's used up everything that should have last or might last a meal that might last somebody a few hours before you get hungry again. And with pots, it's, everything's revved up and you burn through that. And you know, an hour or two hours later, you're like starving and like you haven't even eaten. So, it can be difficult to manage um, because it's so unpredictable and that can cause. Um, a level of awareness and, and kind of vigilance about like you know what's happening so my friends are always kind of cognizant of I need to know where my next meal is coming from I need to know how long it's going to be till really if we're hiking let's say I need to know how long until I can get back to civilization where I can get a meal because <clears throat> I need to prepare a certain amount number and types of snacks and eating ahead of time in order to be able to do something that's going to take, you know, a couple hours of physical activity. And I'm just grateful. I mean, it's challenging, but it's not impossible. And I'm just grateful that I'm able to be able to go out into the woods and walk for a couple of hours. <clears throat> and as long as I have a plan, a care, self-care plan about that, I can manage it. So I had developed a couple of years ago when POTS came out, I watched very carefully and read about the symptoms and the kinds of things that they faced and I made uh, recipes for a supportive tea and a supportive tincture that specifically um, took care of some of the worst, or it was designed to, of course we didn't, hadn't tested it yet, now I've had a chance to test it because yay, uh, I just got uh, sick and I have got the vaccine, I got a vaccine, I've had two doses of Pfizer and the booster of Pfizer. So, um, I was still concerned because with the virus mutating, you could always get a strain that's not going to respond to the 
vaccine. So I kept prepared and I got in touch with a local herbalist and I sent her my recipe for the tincture and I'm like, hey, can you make this? And I had her make it in gin, which is a form of vodka um, that already kind of has some herbs and things in it. And I said, yes, please make it with the gin and not just the pure vodka. Which she did, so she made me my tincture and I got a great big bottle of, I got like two, a big bottle and a little bottle. And then I had already stocked up on the herbs for the tea, which had a smaller, um, similar components, but not the same. And when I woke up sick, it was obvious the texture of the mucus that comes with the COVID is tenacious. It's thick and ropey and sticky and it wants to it clings to all of the tissues so I was really gratified when I took the first dose of tincture when I woke up um, that it just <laughs> it like liquefied all of that like it just made it run clear <laughs> and easy my body discharged it um, blowing my nose uh, with very little problems and one of the worst things about COVID is people struggling to breathe because their body can't clear the mucus because it's clinging to the lungs and it's clinging to the throat and it's stopping up the nose so it's difficult. All your airways and the air passages are clogged up. So anyway, my tincture and my tea helped me so that I didn't have to fight the breathing. So then it was just like the fatigue and I had a lot of body aches. Um, so sleeping that off and then because I can't, just to be on bed rest, I can't just take three days and just lay in bed for three days. I cannot do that um, without triggering a relapse of the pot. So I made sure that in, the, in between times, like for every two hours that I slept, I got up and I did some vigorous housework or I, you know, did all my dishes or I prepared food, put on some music and I danced. Um, I called a friend and I paced and talked on the phone for an hour. Literally just walk. I had a really small house. I just walked the length of it back and forth while I was on the phone. So <clears throat> in that way, I was able to not lose as much um, physical ground as I might have if I hadn't started that, you know, from the very beginning, just because of being aware of it. So hopefully, hoping that um, the having had the COVID itself won't. Like I, hopefully I've managed to not trigger uh, a POTS relapse uh, similar or akin to the long COVID and that's all I can do. So anyway, this has been kind of a long post and you know, you got all this kind of humming in the beginning just because I don't like talking about being sick. I don't like being sick and being sick is garbage. So I'm happy that I'm not as sick as I was. I've like last little phases of just like clearing out, um, only taking like a little bit of the tincture or a sip of the tea, just if it starts to be too cloggy up to really to like breathe comfortably or whatever. I can tell that I'm congested still, so I'm not like symptom free or anything like that. It doesn't do that. Uh, when you use herbs and tinctures to, what you're doing is you're not treating the disease, which I think modern medicine does. When you're using herbal teas and tinctures, you are trying to support the body's own mechanisms to be able to handle the situation, the crisis that's happening in your body. Um, obviously, I'm not like a 
herbs only person or even without the vaccine. I would have just sat with my tea and herbs and done that. So I think that there is a place in the world uh, for both um, to use synergistically when um, possible and to be very cautious of contraindications. So if I had had to go to the doctor and can be sure that I would just let them know, you know, I have these preparations that I've been using and they can let me know, well, don't use those if you're also going to use this medicine that I put on because you have to be, I think, kind of smart and aware of the fact that while you might be able to use, you know, herbs and teas to help something like POTS, which doesn't have like a cure or a treatment or a thing that you can just prescribe to make it go away or make it better, um, it's fine to explore you know, other ways that might be supportive of it. So, anyway, I guess that's what I did. So, hopefully my next podcast next week will be less about sickness and more about, I don't know, something more interesting. Um, If you've listened to this link here, you know, thank you for listening. If you didn't listen this far, I guess you didn't, I mean, thank you anyway for listening to part of it, but I guess you wouldn't hear it because it's the end. So this has been another episode of Wendy Says Things. I think I called it Sick Like Stick. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you next week.